radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 67, recorded on Friday, July 15th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we discuss the case of Brittany Griner, a WNBA star who is currently on trial for drug charges in Russia. But first, the headlines. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Hey, Joe. What? It finally happened. We got Trump in jail. One of the Trumps died yesterday. Was it Don Jr.? Close. Is it? <laughs> well, this is mom. I guess pretty close. It was Ivana. So you're telling me God missed. Yes. the Someone wrote the wrong name in the notebook. Ugh. So yes, uh, not really one of the ones I was hoping for, unfortunately. When you see Trump death... You know, your your heart immediately <laughs> soars. She was only 73 years old, which seems kind of young. I mean, that's pretty up there. Uh, I mean, uh, as yeah. a woman who has a lot of money, has access to, you know, the highest tier of healthcare that you can find, it seems a little young. But then I thought about it. Seeing Donald Trump's dick has got to age you at least 10 years. <laughs> I mean, that's like opening the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, he unzips his pants, demons come out, start flying around. Around. So I guess I'm not terribly surprised. She was Donald Trump's first wife and the mother of Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric. So she's at least partially responsible for a lot of terrible things. Did you get that out? Was it be good? <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a new story, but you just wanted to celebrate. Yeah, I, I really, I really was looking to uh, to have that party finally. But we, we'd play celebration if we wouldn't get a copyright <laughs> strike. There's always tomorrow. Let's move on to some real news. All right, let's do it. This last Tuesday, the January 6th committee held its latest hearing talking about Trump and the January 6th insurrection. This week, they focused on Trump's and the White House's connections to extremist groups. They heard from. Jason Van Tatenhove? Tatenhove? I don't really know. That name just, you might just say white supremacist. <laughs> well, he's not necessarily, he's like white supremacist adjacent. He was the spokesman. He just helps the them yeah. and, and was their spokesman. Well, yeah, that's like the weird thing, though. He wasn't like a member of them. According to him. But that's still like a weird distinction to make. I just helped them out on the I side. lived with the guy who was running <laughs> it, but I wasn't, I wasn't really a part of it. So we heard from him. Him, as well as Stephen Ayers, a former Trump supporter from Ohio who pleaded guilty to illegally entering the Capitol on January 6th. And then we also heard some prior testimony from former White House counsel Pat Cipollone, or as the, what is it, the closed captioning said, yeah. Patsy Baloney. Patsy Baloney. Patsy Baloney. So what did we actually learn from this hearing? Well, there are a couple of key takeaways. I mean, this wasn't like the biggest bombshell one compared to like even like the last one with Cassidy Hutchinson, but I think there were some really good ones worth mentioning. First, we found found out that on December 18th, there was a meeting of the crazies in the Oval Office. And I say December 18th on purpose because, well, one, that was the day it happened, duh, because that was four days after electors cast their official vote for Joe Biden, which means that the election was already as over as it could have possibly been. And this meeting happened after that. This included Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn, the CEO of Overstock.com, because of course. Where was uh, my pillow in all of this? Now he's old news. It's overstock.com. <laughs> 
In fact, I'm sure all his pills are being sold through Overstock.com <laughs> right now because they can't get rid of him. Pat Cipollone, Eric Hirschman, who's another White House lawyer, and Staff Secretary Derek Lyons. And what was they didn't have Pat Cipollone there originally. No. Someone had to run and get him because they knew that this was happening. Right. They were not actually informed, and Cipollone actually said this in his own testimony, that they were not um, initially, or counsel was initially informed, and they literally ran to the Oval Office. I think it was Derek Lyons, I yeah. believe, that Sidney Powell said, set a land speed record yeah. <laughs> running. To, yeah, because everyone knows you're nuts, and they don't want you planning a coup, which is what you eventually did. Basically. So the crazies immediately discussed plans to seize voting machines all throughout the country and went into conspiracy theories about Hugo Chavez and China. We got, Hugo heard, Chavez has been dead for years, and apparently hey, he you, was in on this. You don't know the power of socialists, <laughs> all right? They can do anything. They can shape shift you don't know they're socialists in Cipollone's testimony about this meeting it apparently got very heated I guess you could say where there was a lot of hostility and insults and even threats of violence were happening <laughs> Yeah, from what was told, like people were literally screaming at each other. They were moving through different rooms and hallways while screaming at each other. Right. A quote from Giuliani, or well, allegedly a quote from Giuliani from that night was, I'm going to categorize it as you guys are not tough enough. You're a bunch of pussies. From Rudy Giuliani, noted tough guy. Oh, right. Who literally took a little uh, tap on the back. A a literal pat on the back. And filed charges immediately. What's up, scumbag? Oh, it felt like a boulder hit me. (laughs) I felt like I was shot in my back. (laughs) I could have died. Cipollone also talked about how he constantly pressed them for evidence. Like, where's your evidence for any of this? And I think he described an exchange with Sidney Powell, which I just loved, where he was saying about, well, where's your evidence? Well, you know where the evidence is. No, tell me where your evidence is. Well, why are you, me, why are you bring up all these questions about the evidence? Why do you care so much at this supposed coup hearing with the White House counsel? Well, and I think the ultimate answer that they gave was, well, you're not getting the answers that you want from the people that are reasonable. So why don't you just do what we tell you to do? Pretty much. That was their answer to, where is your evidence? So apparently this meeting went on for several hours, in fact, well past midnight, resulting in Trump tweeting out at 1.42 a.m., and you may remember this tweet, statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election. Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there, will be wild. And I think we even talked about that tweet when it happened. I don't remember what we did last week. (laughs) Well, fine. Continuity be damned. So that brings us to our second main thing that we want to talk about for this was that extremists and protesters definitely took that tweet, which is a direct result of that meeting, as a direct call to action. Trump was explicitly warned as such and just flat out ignored it anyway. Well, it also goes to show this is all of the evidence that Donald Trump ever had. Right. He had literally nothing. Nothing. And he didn't care. In fact, he was even told time and time again by his own peers he had nothing, which is a big deal for showing how culpably he is for sending that mob to the Capitol because at least he then knows very clearly that there was nothing he could have actually gained from it. And there was no reason to. He lost a fair election. But again, his ego prevented him from accepting that fact. And that's why we're in the situation we're in, why we're having to spend millions of dollars on this hearing, why our democracy was very nearly overturned was for Donald Trump's ego. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing new to us, but it's still really terrifying to think about. And this 
is where the other two testimonies came in. I specifically remember actually talking about or listening to the guy from Ohio where he was saying, yeah, I mean, that's what Trump told us to do. So I immediately bought a plane ticket the next day. Yeah, what a great guy that guy right. is. And I think he would love to be his wife. I think he even said, oh, I can't remember. But I think that guy even said like at the end that he'd still vote for Trump again, which sounds insane to me. Yeah. We'll have another example of that here in a second. No kidding. We also found evidence of other Trump aides who fully understood what was actually happening. You had Brad Parscale, who was running their social media at the time and also was um, helping out his campaign. He was Trump's campaign manager. Yes, he was. Thank you. The committee released a series of tweets between Brad Parscale and Katrina Pearson, who was a former campaign official and was involved with organizing the Trump's pre-riot rally. And I just want to read this exchange to you. And I just took it directly from the article. I'll link it in the show notes but they actually have pictures in the article itself. Parscale starts saying, a sitting president asking for civil war. This week, I feel guilty for helping him win. Pearson replied, you did what you felt was right at the time, and therefore it was right. Parscale responded, yeah, but a woman is dead. If I was Trump and knew my rhetoric killed someone, Pearson told him, it wasn't the rhetoric. And then Parscale responds back saying, Katrina, yes, it was. So this is someone who understands that a sitting U.S. president was trying to to gather people to attack the government. Which resulted in death. Asking for a civil war. His words. Yes. And that he, his actions directly led to a woman's death. But then a month later, on February 6th, mm-hmm. Brad Pascal tweeted, Statement to Trump. If they only impeached you twice, you need to run again. Because to change the system, you have to kick it in the ass. I would love to be the only president to be impeached three times. Because history remembers those that didn't conform i'm in are you what a freaking weasel what a spineless no ethics no morals just of course he lives in florida scumbag so you don't even need to say scumbag after you say he lives in florida that's implied and then of course trump's leadership pack save america paid hundred and fifty thousand dollars the same amount of money that he paid to have sex with porn stars because again the whole demons thing when he unzips his <laughs> pants it paid uh hundred fifty thousand dollars in ten thousand dollar monthly installments to parscale's company parscale strategy llc a digital consulting firm from march of 2021 to may of 2022 so you only care about a president committing civil war and getting someone killed up to about $150,000. That's how much it takes to buy Brad Pascal, if anyone is wondering. What a loser. Just piece of garbage. Those are the types of people that Trump surrounds himself with. People that he can buy. Literally. I mean, and I think it really goes to show, and of course, no one on the right's going to care. I understand that. Drain the swamp. Right. But it really just goes to show how morally inept these people are and that they're the ones who are trying to lead our country. They're the ones who are trying to win this moral majority crap constantly. And also, Brad Parscale knows rhetoric. He led the 2016 campaign and he revolutionized how campaigns were run on social media. He was a cause of what happened in 2016 because he was able to persuade millions of people with what he was doing. And he immediately wants to go back and do it again, even though he knows what he did was dangerous. He doesn't care because as long as he gets paid, that's what matters. And he said, I regret what I did. Yeah, I feel bad for helping him. A month later, let's go kick some ass. I'm in. Give me my money. Then when he thought the hearing was over, Liz Cheney pulled the whole Columbo thing and said, one more thing. I'm just going to read the last statement verbatim. And one more item. After our last hearing, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not yet seen 
seen in these hearings. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call. Their lawyer alerted us and this committee has supplied that information to the Department of Justice. Let me say one more time, we will take any effort to influence witness testimony very seriously. A former president engaging in witness tampering, that's normal, right? And that was such a funny thing to throw in like in the last 30 seconds <laughs> of the hearing. Like, okay, maybe you should have like led with that? That there's ongoing witness tampering happening right now by the main suspect of this hearing? I hope that this is all just going to pressure Merrick Garland into actually doing something. No kidding. And I will say, we don't know who actually is that witness quite yet. But there has been a lot of speculation, some rumors about how this person was actually a lower level type of aid it was like more of like a support staff as opposed to like a primary top aide that would not have had as much access to president trump not someone you'd expect them to just call out of the blue and that's the big thing where if it was like mark meadows and trump called him well they talked all the time so it'd actually be very defensible for trump to just randomly call him before the hearing happens mark meadows by the way a little bit more expensive than brad parscale apparently he's, he's gotten over a million dollars oh great. from trump packs so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> since Trump left office. So, but the fact that this is somebody who usually doesn't hear from President Trump or ever gets contacted by the president, this is a big deal because then you can really put culpability onto the president for witness tampering. Hopefully. Hopefully. You hear us, Garland? I know you're a big fan of the show. This needs to be pulled into just a giant criminal conspiracy like Rico case and everyone involved. This goes down. At least tried. No kidding. And they also should in- impeach Trump again. I'd give Give Brad Parscale his wish. Right. Just set the record so high they'll never be achievable, right? Then we also got a preview of what will happen next week at the next hearing. They said that they're actually going to bring Pat Cipollone in for actual live testimony, and they're going to be looking at Trump's action or lack of action on January 6th itself. And they showed a clip of Cipollone during his closed door testimony, stating that he was consistently pushing for Trump to make a statement, but that he refused. And they're going to keep hammering on the point that he was told repeatedly to do something on January 6th. And just did nothing because this is what he wanted to happen. So it should be interesting. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, I'd like to see if anyone was having any direct contact with uh, those groups, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and what Trump's mind, where what he was doing while the riot was taking place. Yeah, I agree. There is that noted gap in the phone records that are, again, he's the president. We're paying for everything. We should have access to those records. And there's a huge gap in the, the time frame there that is missing as to what was going on. So hopefully we get some insight into to that i hope so we do have one final note too that is related uh, just came out and it was released to the january 6th committee a letter from the department of homeland security office of inspector general that said that the secret service has deleted text messages from january 5th and 6th after copies of those messages were requested well that's not good it just goes to show at the end of the day the secret service are cops what do cops do they cover up any wrongdoing that they engage in as we well know they're not honest look at uvaldi look at any cop related shooting any incident they constantly lie and they cover it up and the secret service is no different so what does this mean for them now they are apparently very well versed in a lot of the ways that they can get out of supplying records 
Uh, they claim that it was an honest mistake, an honest situation where they replaced a bunch of equipment uh, in January and that those texts were lost because of that. But according to the Office of Inspector General, those texts were deleted after they were requested. Yikes. So the January 6th committee, the chair of the January 6th committee, Thompson. God, I don't... Benny, it's Benny Thompson. Benny Thompson. Benny yeah. Thompson. Uh, Benny Thompson is also on the uh, Homeland Security uh, Commission. So he has access to, to both kind of worlds. He's used to working with the Office Inspector General. They're going... Going to look into it. I don't. It just broke earlier today, so we don't have a ton of information. But hopefully, this will be part of the next hearing as well. Okay. So, Jason, <laughs> let's let's complain about Democrats now. <laughs> this really pissed me off. <laughs> like <laughs> way more than probably than it should have. No, I I would say probably the correct amount. Okay. So for those of you who may not have seen, and I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't, because no one ever sees Joe Biden do anything. It took him a very long time to actually respond to the recent Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade and actually to do something about it. I believe we talked last week about the executive order. Yeah, so, Friday. Okay. It came out while we were right yes. while we were getting ready for the episode. So I'm glad that he did that. It's something, at least. It's still not perfect. I mean... It's not anything material. Right, exactly. I like that your description of it last week, which was, was basically speaking a spell into existence. <laughs> I, I really like that description of it. But there has been a lot of criticism from the left about why it took him so long and it's not just from the left no it's not you're right it's literally from any supporter of roe v wade and any like democrat all over the spectrum because there is a large plethora of voters who care about roe v wade so you're you're 100 correct it's not just the left we can't say it's just like the hardcore progressives that care about this that's Everyone the way they want to categorize well it. and we'll talk about that so they got asked why did it take you so long what's going on why you, didn't you do something sooner we've been fighting this fight for 50 years well and even more so there's been a lot of criticism because we had the leaked draft right so not only did you know or you should have known as soon as amy coney barrett was selected and pushed through you should have been prepared a week before the election you should have known the reason why everyone else knew the reason why right everyone else knew roe was dead right there yeah that's what we were telling you that's what every news outlet was telling you everyone except susan collins and lisa murkowski knew it you should have been getting ready then you were running for president at the time you should have been preparing then yes once the leaked draft came out then you knew okay 100 percent this was going to happen this is going to happen before the end of june you knew that and it took you <laughs> at least two weeks to do something so they got a lot of criticism well in a spectacular horrible statement from kate beddingfield which is biden's comms director she said in response to these criticisms joe biden's goal in responding to dobbs is not to satisfy some activists who have been consistently out of step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party. It's to deliver help to women who are in danger and assemble a broad-based coalition to defend a woman's right to choose now, just as he assembled such a coalition to win during the 2020 campaign. Are you freaking kidding me? Again, since when is protecting abortion rights out of step with the Democratic Party? Well, okay, and here's what makes me really angry, right? Because I can even understand it with some point. I have lots of lefty friends and they definitely spout a lot of crazy 
crap online about things that Democrats should be doing and should have been doing, and they're wrong. However, to say that you should have done something sooner, which is not a big ask, after you, again, like you just said, they already knew this was going to happen. And your first response to that criticism is not to say, oh my God, I'm sorry. Oh my God, we need to do better. It's, well, we're not going to placate to these people. These radical activists who want to protect abortion rights. Screw off. I am so livid with this. They threw a large chunk of people who care about this under the bus. They fractured the party again right before our freaking midterm that we're already supposed to get our butts kicked in. Well, it just goes to show Joe Biden was not the right choice in the primaries. No. And that's, again, where it really frustrates me because in a way, she's also correct. There's a huge amount of Democrats that are not progressive. They may even call themselves progressives. We have that actually happening here in Wisconsin right now where you have a lot of Democrats who are just throwing around the word progressive, progressive, progressive. I'm progressive. Obviously, I'm progressive. And they do anything but be progressive. They do not fight for the things that progressives fight for, but they'll use the label all the time because they know it's a good thing. We have some even in the progressive caucus. Right. And my problem is there is a lot of voters who are not at all progressive, but they vote Democrat. They are super moderates. They are old school blue dog Democrats, and they don't know anything about what's going on in politics other than what they sometimes hear on the news or sometimes talk to with friends and family. That is all they do, but they're usually pretty conservative socially. And if that was all you needed to win elections, Hillary Clinton would have beat Donald Trump in 2016. Yep. So the Biden campaign needs to remember that. They need progressives on their side. But the whole thing with this, again, what makes me so angry is the whole thing with this is that Biden is not popular right now among anybody. And this is one of the main reasons. Well, and he was sitting at what, a 38% approval rating? And it's because of crap like this where he gets, he's not doing anything. And when he's getting challenged and not doing anything, your first response is, well, I'm not going to talk to you about it because why do I care about you? You're even taking down your 38% approval rating to make the rest of those 38% people hate you right before election time. I do remember when he was on the campaign trail in 2020 and he yelled at somebody and was like, vote for somebody else then. And it's like, that's, that's not how you want to, as his comms director says, build a coalition. Well, and his coalition was full of people who were so hateful of Trump. They were Republicans and they voted for Biden anyway. And even hell, even in Wisconsin, we saw that happen where Biden won and outperformed the actual state representatives by a lot because people voted for Biden because they hated Trump. They didn't care about Biden, but they hated Trump enough to vote for Biden and then vote Republican else down the ticket. You don't have a coalition. There is no broad Joe Biden coalition. That was a one-time thing because of how bad Trump was. And I'm going to be perfectly clear with this as well. If COVID didn't happen, Trump probably would have won. Correct. He has no coalition. And the fact that he's disrupting the coalition that he even has to begin with is not just downright disrespectful. It's politically stupid. All right, Joe. Usually the uh, the Biden defender on this show. Which makes me even angrier. <laughs> oh! I'm generally the one uh, that has to take the shots at... at oh the, my God. Then don't be stupid. There you go. If you're going to lose the Joes of the world, you've got a problem. <laughs> Damn right. So let's be positive for a minute here and talk about something that came out on Monday that was positive as it comes to abortion. Like, yes, two weeks too late should have been immediately after the announcement that Roe v. Wade was overturned. But more positive than the magic spell at least means something a little bit more. It was from the Department of Health and Human Services through the White House issued guidance requiring hospitals that receive 
Medicare and Medicaid funding from the federal government, which is basically every hospital, telling them that they need to perform medically necessary abortions as part of emergency care. The statement said, the Biden administration's guidance states that federal law requires doctors to perform abortions for pregnant people in emergency rooms when it is the stabilizing treatment necessary to resolve a medical emergency, including treatments for ectopic pregnancy, hypertension, and preeclampsia. And, in a statement from the Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra, he said, In no certain terms, we are reinforcing that we expect providers to continue offering these services, and that federal law preempts state abortion bans when needed for emergency care. Under the law, no matter where you live, women have the right to emergency care, including abortion care. And on Wednesday, the Biden administration also warned retail pharmacies that they must fill prescriptions for pills that can induce abortions or risk violating federal civil rights law. Yay! I don't want the conversation to be framed specifically around these types of situations. You also saw that case with the 10-year-old girl yeah. in Ohio that was raped. And oh my God, to... can, we, can we quickly talk about like... Sure, sure. Um, and had to seek an abortion in Indiana. Uh, because the bastion of abortion freedom, <laughs> right? Because they haven't banned it yet, and the the Indiana Attorney General said that he would try to investigate the doctor to see if they can get her license revoked. Which because uh, of course, yeah, even though it was legal. <laughs> but I don't. Well, what I don't want is I don't want this to be the fight. Is just for when medically necessary, like literally, if the mother is going to die or rape and incest. Right. That's giving up a huge amount of ground. Right. That's that's literally saying like. Okay, that's where we draw the line. That's where we're going to fight for abortion rights. What it really needs to be the the normalization of, yeah, you just don't want to give a kid. You want to have a kid, and that's it. Yes. Like, I don't want to give birth. I don't care what the reason is. I don't care what your situation is. Uh, you're pregnant. You don't want to have the child. You can get an abortion. Like, that's what we need to be fighting for. We don't yes. need to just fight for these. Like, the most common sense, you would think any reasonable person in the world would agree that we're not going to make you literally kill yourself by trying to carry a non-viable ectopic pregnancy, which the, the child, the, it couldn't possibly develop into a baby in the first place. It's just going to explode your fallopian tube and kill you. Yep. And the clump of cells that's rapidly dividing as well. That's like the so low bar that I think it's stupid, right? Like no one reasonable, no person who's not a complete moron would argue against that, right? Like you would have to be the world's biggest idiot, not understand anything that's going on inside of a human body to disagree with that or force a 10-year-old to try to uh, give birth. It's just going to like destroy her organs as this child grows because you're not developed enough at 10 years old to carry a pregnancy to term. You would be just an inhuman monster. If you would be against that, right? Like it's dumb. Why are we? Why do we even have to fight for this? No one I, could possibly I, argue this. I I think I see what you're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, today, uh, uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced that Texas is suing the Biden administration over that, that guidance. guidance that we just <laughs> talked about. 
Because of course they are. According to Ken Paxton, well, this administration has a hard time following the law, and now they're trying to have their appointed bureaucrats mandate that hospitals and emergency medicine physicians perform abortions. I will ensure that President Biden will be forced to comply with the Supreme Court's important decision concerning abortion, and I will not allow him to undermine and distort laws to fit his administration's unlawful agenda. You went from, like, Yosemite Sam. I was trying to go for Yosemite Sam. I lost it somewhere along you, wait, the well, way. You, so you went to, you went to like from Yosemite was, Sam to a little bit of Hank Hill. I, well, it's all Texas. And I'll then, take that. And then you went back to Yosemite Sam. Then you finished with like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> brother. No, it's Hulk Hogan. Well, I think they both did the, the brother thing. Did they? I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. I was an 80s kid. I said you would have a better recollection. Uh, the Macho Man, I think, is from Florida, though. So. Oh, so not as cool. Yeah. Uh, not as Texas as I was going for. But yes, Texas is insane, and they want you to literally die yeah. rather than receive. I mean, this is literally a law or a guidance saying emergency rooms have to perform abortions for emergencies, literally to stabilize a woman's life. Like, they understand there's no baby in this scenario. There's no viable pregnancy. The, the Whatever you want to call that development stage, like, you can't tell the difference between a human and a dolphin and an elephant and whatever. Like, the, the, the chunk of goo that you are so concerned about is not going to survive this, pro, this scenario either. It's going to kill the host, the pregnant person, and it's going to also die. Well, yeah, but that's fine. You can't. The government can't tell me that that I have to save the woman's life. Can't tell doctors to actually perform medical care. Well, and that's the thing, too, is it's it's not even just that where it's saying the federal government can't tell us what to do. It's literally saying the federal government can't tell us to force doctors to kill patients. That's literally what that's saying, because we want to have the chance to force our own rules and regulations so that doctors kill patients. Now, did you want to discuss? So, okay, so you already kind of said the story, and that's not the thing I want to talk about. Did you see like the crazy things that oh, was, what's his name? Jim Jordan from the same right. damn state well, so and it, a bunch of other crazy right. Republicans were just doing their best to So it's anything. a lot of, so when the story first, first broke, that there was a 10 year old girl in Ohio who was, and Ohio currently doesn't have a total ban on abortion. I think they have the six week. Yeah, they do. And she was just over that six weeks. So she had to go to Indiana to get an abortion because obviously you would be put in jail if you were to perform that abortion in Ohio because she was beyond the six-week limit. No exceptions. And immediately, Jim Jordan came out saying that this was a lie. Yeah, that it never happened. The entire story was a lie. There were a lot of conservatives. I I saw Tim Pool saying it. I saw a lot of people saying it. It never happened. Let's make it very clear. So this was already going around, like, we'll say pro-choice and, like, pro-row circles. Like, I I already saw this story well before this got, like, national attention. The only reason why Republicans were so against it is because Joe Biden mentioned it in a speech. That was the only reason. And why that they was after she had already had the abortion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was old yeah, news like at I'd that point. I heard about it well before that. Right. Too. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. So they didn't talk about it at all when it was just happening. But when Joe Biden said it, they had to come out against it. And their whole thing was there was no what did charges Poole, filed. What did the, Tim Pool say about it? Uh, he said that if it would have been legit, that the left would have used it as more of a political pawn 
on than they did because what yeah that was literally his take was that if it were really true you would have seen the left parading the girl around and trying to turn it into a case like literally have her have the abortion in ohio and then get the doctor arrested and turn it into a big circus because that's what this girl's parents are concerned about right not the life and well-being of a 10 year old who got raped and again like i said is at significant risk of physical harm if they let this pregnancy continue literally because the baby is too big for because she's to 10 fit in a 10 year old like i don't get like what these people don't understand about biology is it doesn't fit it doesn't fit in there there's not enough space. So the longer you let this, it's already been past six weeks. As we said, a lot of people don't even know that they're pregnant at six weeks. At a 10-year-old, I'm amazed. So a child. Right. If she hadn't been raped, I mean, and they didn't check because of that, she would have never known. I don't, you know, like, they don't understand periods at that point if they've not had specific talks about it. Right. Because they're 10. Right. Because the 10-year-old shouldn't have to worry about stuff like that. But, yeah, the, like, you have to do it as soon as possible because there's risk of damage and you can't wait for lawyers to get involved and that's exactly what we're talking about too with ectopic pregnancies and things you cannot wait emergency situations you cannot wait for a lawyer to try to figure out if it fits under exemptions and we just talked about wisconsin previously our laws from the 1850s it's not in like normal english it's before we knew about germs mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not a clear medical law it's it's made up by people that owned people it, it was literally passed a year after we became a state right and it's pre-civil war so yeah it, it's not very clear as to what exactly that means in a modern society this guidance by the white house at least makes it clear that in an emergency situation you d- shouldn't have to worry about a lawyer you shouldn't have to worry about debating the you know the hospital to get the care that you need while you're dying and again that should be the most common sense stupid easy first step thing that everyone could agree on while we debate you know the rest of the stuff the important stuff uh, about whether or not anybody should have the right to choose whether or not to give birth regardless of the reasons this should be like okay well we can all agree on this but oh now let's argue about the rest of it and even texas can't can't even come to that conclusion and with our the thing is you know this is going to go to the supreme court with our supreme court i think they're gonna win i mean yeah and that's insane and yes to get back to your point (laughs) uh even when confronted when there was an arrest made and it was very obvious that this was a real story with real people involved in a real 10 year old girl jim jordan refused to apologize he deleted his tweet he refused to apologize to the family and instead blamed the media and joe biden because of course because the media reported it and joe biden said it so he thought it was not true again what another disgusting human being and of course jim jordan has a history of not believing children as he did nothing after multiple reports of sexual abuse on the wrestling team that he was a part of so of course we can't listen to jim jordan let's finish this off with some good news oh wait oh wait we don't have any more of that but in case you thought that i was going soft on joe biden and thought that he was actually effective in getting anything done the story that just came out that president joe manchin (laughs) 
continues to put his own personal agenda ahead of the country. What a shock. And ahead of his own agenda, too, somehow. Tell me about it. Joe Manchin and his staff told the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, another person that needs to find another job, (laughs) unequivocally on Thursday that the West Virginia Democrat, uh, that's a loose usage of that word, won't support the climate or tax provisions of a Democratic economic package that Joe Manchin wrote. (laughs) Okay. So we're not going to get basically the budget because this is the only way we can pass anything with a simple majority because it's got to be budget reconciliation. Right. The budget that Joe Manchin himself had been putting together. And he, well this was this was against Build Back Better, wasn't it? This was yeah, in place of Build Back Better, which Joe Manchin said that he would not support. Right. So instead they're like, fine, you craft your legislation and we'll figure out what we can do with it. And now after months of putting that together, Joe Manchin has decided that Joe Manchin is an idiot and uh wrote a terrible bill that he can't support. So he's just a liar is what you're saying. The story generally is that Mitch McConnell on a speech uh, during a debate of this bill on the floor told Joe Manchin that his state wouldn't support the bill that he wrote and then they got a coalition of businesses together to call Joe Manchin and tell him that they wouldn't support the bill and that that changed Joe Manchin's mind. So he listens to Mitch McConnell and corporations. He doesn't listen to the majority of the country or even the people in West Virginia who would benefit from this economic bill. And so now nothing's going to happen. Joe Biden, the great unifier. I work together with Republicans. And let's not just blame the Democrats here. Not one single Republican will vote for it because they all listen to Mitch McConnell. They will never, ever break ranks with what Mitch McConnell wants. But yet, of course, we're going to blame the one Democrat, Joe Manchin. Yes, that 90% of the blame should be on Republicans for just being obstructionist and never passing a single thing. Well, because they don't care because that's not part of their agenda. Their agenda is literally nothing. And then 10% of the blame should then be divided among Joe Manchin, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden. Throw Kirsten Sinema in there for you, too. Well, I think she was on board with this. I don't care. Throw her in there. (laughs) I don't like her. Well, she can get some of the blame anyway just for existing and having those terrible glasses all the time. Thank you. And outfits, too. She looks like she works at a Hot Topic. (laughs) But yes, once again, nothing will get done. No benefit to anyone. The only thing we can ever pass is a military budget. Nobody talks about inflation when we're spending more than the rest of the world combined on our military. And what makes me angrier with that point is that that's like it's such an old point, right? Like We've been saying that for years now. And they constantly get more money than they even ask for. That's kind of my whole point, which is like, this is an old point. This should be like old news that should be debunked by now. But no, it just keeps getting worse and worse. The president gives them more than they ask for when he signs the budget. The Senate gives them more when they ask for when they write up the budget. It's ridiculous. Never any talk about, oh, what about inflation? What about... And inflation as a result of government spending is ridiculous. When did we last spend any money? Last February? (laughs) And inflation has gone up all around the world. Yep. So how is it because Joe Biden wants to spend money? Because I see gas prices up and it makes me feel sad. But they're coming back down now. No, no, no. Hey, did you see Fox News? Now they're coming down too fast. (laughs) 
No, I didn't see. Oh it. yeah, there it's 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 too fast. Our, our economy won't be able to sustain that type of decrease. <sighs> so now that's too fast, and Joe Biden's a bad president again. Which again, he had nothing to do with either one going up or down. Which still drives me crazy. I'm still seeing Republicans trying to blame Joe Biden for everything. <laughs> And then they even acknowledge the fact that, you know, people are making the argument like, well, you do realize that presidents don't actually do that much. And then they try to pin people who use the argument like, were you really saying that they actually don't do much? I I think it was like, oh God, what was it? When they were trying to push like a special emergency like credit or something like that, or a special emergency reserve. And then the Fox News kid. I think think that's Peter Ducey. Where he's like, wait, I thought you were telling me that Joe Biden doesn't affect gas prices. And then now it gets memed all over the the right wing circles. Like, it was an emergency order. What are you talking about, you stupid Oh my god. Like it still didn't It didn't do anything. <laughs> now the price the futures price of oil, the barrel price is coming way down. So of course when the barrel prices go up, the price at the pump skyrockets. When the prices come down, it just kind of slowly ticks down. So I don't know what Fox News is talking about. Coming down so quickly. It's still over four dollars at least the last time i filled up but yes it is coming oh. down and it has nothing to do with the government it has to do with the situation in russia and investments more than anything else that's always what it has to do with and it has to do with the way opec releases oil mm-hmm. and lots of things that are outside of our control but no it's biden and inflation and, and that's Democrats. why we can't that's why we can't pass any legislation and radicals like joe biden and nancy Pelosi. Pelosi, I guess. And that's why our planet is going to burst into flames within the next hundred years is because gas prices. And, you know, of course, if you want to fix our dependence on gas, we need to invest in different types of energy. Call Elon Musk. But again, Joe Manchin makes a ton of money off of oil and gets more money in funding from coal companies than any other person in the government. But he's really just worried about inflation. And it's not just his capitulation to his donors, the people that actually control him. So I'm going to go back to what I said before. He's just a liar. And a puppet. And a terrible politician. And a piece of garbage. Well, I'm sure you probably won't be a politician for much longer. He'll be a lobbyist instead and make more money. Right. Cool. Those were great headlines. I'm really happy about that. Let's talk about something even more depressing. To the main segment. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. So let's talk about Brittany Griner. Now, you may or may not have seen headlines recently about this WNBA player who's stuck in Russia. Very tall woman detained in Russia. <laughs> That's the headline. <laughs> I saw that on NPR. Tall woman detained in Russia today. I'm sure not a ton of people watch the WNBA, which is part of the problem, which we'll get into. But so who is Brittany Griner? Why does anyone care? Well, she is one of the biggest stars in the WNBA. She is a center for the Phoenix Mercury. She was a two-time Olympic gold medalist for Team USA. She won an NCAA championship with Baylor in 2012. She won a WNBA championship with Phoenix in 2014. She is a two-time Defensive Player of the Year and a seven-time WNBA All-Star. So one of the most decorated female basketball players in history. Certainly will go down as a Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. Someday. She's basically, at this point, 
point like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the WNBA. But she wasn't without her controversy. Back in 2013, she actually came out as a lesbian in a Sports Illustrated interview, becoming the first openly gay athlete to also be sponsored by Nike. And I say controversy, even though that doesn't sound like it's yeah, that's big. Not really con- I think she punched somebody in the face when she was in college during a I'm game. I'm sure she did that too. But the reason why I even put that in there is because this was also back in 2013 when the same-sex marriage debate was at its peak. She was also vocal about protesting after the Breonna Taylor and George Floyd murders. She would consistently walk off the court during the national anthem during WNBA games, and she called on the WNBA to stop playing the national anthem before games. Quote from her saying, I honestly feel we should not play the national anthem during our season. I think we should take that much of a stand. And you know what? Wouldn't that solve the issue that everyone has with players kneeling and all that? Just don't play the national anthem before the game? I don't know what the point of that is in the first place. That well, we- and I was just going to say, that, like, I agree. I, I do not believe the national anthem should be played in before sporting events. I think that's just very weird and nationalist and it just, it does nothing but other than just push more propaganda. It makes sense during the Olympics. It does, because the country's actually involved. But not during every game, especially I find it really silly, like baseball. They play a game every day and you have to constantly do the national anthem and then yep. you have to play America the Beautiful during the seventh inning stretch. Like, yep. geez, I know what country I'm in, all right? <laughs> Let's settle down. And yeah, it's it ends up just being propaganda for the military anyway. But honestly, as you can probably tell, her stand, well, or at least her walk away from the national anthem pissed off a lot of people and she had a, the only time conservatives ever paid attention to the wnba no kidding where you had a lot of people saying that she hated america that she couldn't stand for anything it was awful she's a terrible human being blah 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 blah, blah whatever and i also say this because this is going to come back later in the segment and we'll get to that so put a pin in this for now but more recently she was in russia playing off-season basketball that's what she was actually doing there fun fact by the way WNBA stars actually get paid a lot more in russia than they do here and her arguably more famous phoenix mercury teammate diana tarasi who played uh for uconn and won a bunch of championships in college as in a, a, also a hall of fame wnba player also played on the same team in russia nice also i found that griner's um salary that she makes in the wnba which i think is around like several hundred thousand it's a hundred it's a hundred and eleven thousand thank you mm-hmm. she gets paid nearly seven times more of that in russia yeah it's it actually might even be more i heard as kind of around a million dollars so wow. it might be up to 10 times wow as much as so that that is why a lot of those players play in that league it's really the highest level of competition for female basketball because we're number one apparently <laughs> russia the ultimate country that ends the patriarchy i guess they care a lot more about women's basketball than we do here right unfortunately griner was detained on february 17th while entering russia after customs service officials said that they found vape cartridges containing hashish oil in her luggage at the oh dear, dear god um, <laughs> some russian share 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 Sheremetyo, Sheremetivo Airport. I'm gonna go remember, the alphabet's not even the same. I'm going to so. go with Sheremetivo. That sounds right. Airport. A picture and video of Griner was released to the public by Russian state TV, suggesting that the Russian officials intentionally want to make it public worldwide for a national purpose. This was right before the invasion of Ukraine. Yes. And the report said it was less than an ounce of Something oil. Like that, yeah. So I don't, I've never vaped in my life. I don't know how much liquid is in a vape cartridge but to me less than an ounce would indicate that it was basically empty or something so you wouldn't necessarily know what was in it if you were just looking at it you know like oh i grabbed my vape thing and i don't i don't know what's in this cartridge because you can't see the 
color of the liquid because it's pretty much empty, I could see that being kind of a mistake that you might make. It's an unfortunate mistake, not a mistake you want to make while traveling internationally, but not impossible. Not certainly not anything that would be malicious. Right. She wasn't a drug smuggler, you know, right. like you see the 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 uh, locked up abroad shows where you know they're carrying suitcases <laughs> that are basically made out of uh, heroin or marijuana. Well, and we'll get to that later down with her trial. But in response, WNBA was actually very supportive of Griner. Uh, many players wore shirts on the court that said um, "We are BG" on it in support of Griner, and also they actively called on the government to bring Griner home, whether that was through tweets, letters, you name it. And then there were actually people tweeting every single day saying, "There's this many days since Griner has been detained. This many days since Griner has been detained. This many days," and you get the idea. And obviously, every other American player left Russia. Yes. So that was the big thing at the time. We didn't really know what to do with it. But then in May, something very different happened. The State Department officials declared Griner as wrongfully detained, which was a huge win for Griner's freedom. It's an official designation that opens up a lot of avenues for her. It gives her access to a specific official who is, that's their job, is to just work with people that have been listed as wrongfully detained. Yes. So, and then just as an idea, like, what does wrongfully detained actually mean basically that means that the government is openly taking responsibility and saying that is our obligation to get you back home you are a political prisoner basically Um, however government officials are still working to get her home as we speak then we find out that i believe it was on july 4th but we'll just say early july just for sake of i know the reports came out on july 4th that griner wrote a special letter to president biden pleading for his help and i have a quote from that letter which was given to by the family of griner quote as i sit here in a russian prison alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife family and friends olympic jersey or any accomplishments i'm terrified i might be here forever which is true it's a very dangerous and scary situation for her and we'll we'll get into some of the opinions and thoughts about it but it's clear she is not in russian prison because of the weed right the the (laughs) The oil marijuana oil thc oil whatever she's there because of the politics between russia and the united states yes in response to that letter biden and harris called griner's wife vowing that they would do all they can to bring her home but in the meantime griner trial in Russia has officially begun in late June. In a somewhat surprising move, Griner actually pled guilty with no intention to break Russian law. Well, it's they have a 99% conviction rate. Right. So that's you're better off pleading guilty and then hoping for a lesser sentence than you are fighting it. You'll never... It's like federal prosecution here. They're going to convict you. And even when they don't convict you, then you just get retried and convicted. Hooray for freedom. And, you know, people want to say, well, yeah, that's not like America. No, our federal system is pretty much the same. <laughs> right. And then like you said, Jason, she claimed in her trial that she was rushed packing and they were accidentally left in her bag without her knowledge. So then today, actually, Griner's lawyers made the case that she was prescribed medical cannabis in the United States for a chronic injury. And they're also arguing that she inadvertently left that bag or left that inner bag at the same time when she was leaving to go to Russia. So basically, it's an accident. Does that mean it's anything going to happen because of that? Probably not. Because again, it's not about legalities at this point right it's about politics and usually when it comes to things like getting people home that brings to things like prisoner swaps the whole dramatic things you see in hollywood films and tv and fun stuff like that and espionage films or whatever this is what's going to happen negotiators are currently looking at potential prisoner swaps with russia 
as we speak to get Griner home. These are not super common, but they actually do happen more than we think. Um, for example, most recently, the U.S. did an exchange to bring home U.S. Marine Trevor Reed home last April. Reed was detained during a trip in 2019 and accused of attacking a Moscow officer during like, a small vacation he was having and said that he did not remember the events because he was drunk. So I just I, I just want to make something very clear while we're talking through the rest of this as well. A guy got drunk in Moscow, punched a cop, and was jailed for it, and we got him home. Uh, he's a Marine, Joe. He's a hero. <laughs> I just I bet I, he didn't complain I just, about the I want to make that anthem. very clear when we start talking about the criticism that we're hearing of Griner. So just make that very clear. And of course he's white too. I want to make that throw that little fact in there as well. Also, his family does accuse the officer of fabricating the entire story, but I don't know. I know who I know Americans, I know how crazy um Marines are. I can see a drunk Marine just punching a cop. <laughs> that doesn't seem that implausible to me. Right. Well, it's like this situation with Griner, she definitely brought that vape canister to to Russia. Right. No debate there. Yeah. I don't argue that that detail, but she's less a prisoner and more a hostage. Yes. But to quick finish up on Trevor Reed, he was exchanged for jailed pilot Konstantin Yaroshenko, who was sentenced in 2011 to 20 years in prison for conspiring to import more than $100 million worth of cocaine into the United States. As you do. As you do. Griner's story is a little bit different because she is the most high profile individual to be wrongfully detained in a foreign country like this. And we really haven't had something like this happen before, so the government doesn't really know what to do. The White House Security Council is actually looking at options as we speak about different ways we can negotiate some kind of prisoner swap. Initially, the Russian government floated the name of Victor Boot, who is a notorious arms dealer, also known as the Merchant of Death, for God's sakes, inspired a 2005 Nicolas Cage movie, The Lord of War, which I never actually saw. It's not that great. Okay. like It's, one, o- it's one of those Nicolas Cage movies. Like any other Nick Cage movie. I get it. Got it. And then he was arrested in 2008 in an undercover operation in thailand and sentenced to 25 years in prison in 2012 now we talked about a little bit about the differences of charges here where grind was convicted of weed possession basically right and residue less than an ounce right so very minimal stuff boot was convicted on conspiracy to kill u.s citizens and providing material support to terrorists billions of dollars worth of arms so kind of a big difference And that's where a lot of critics are actually saying that this is a terrible idea to exchange the two because you have one notorious mastermind who's like a very, very bad person and then someone who got convicted for, you know, THC possession. If I'm the State Department, I don't care. I do whatever it takes to bring a U.S. citizen home. So, well, fun little argument for you then is that actually Shira A. Shindlin, the former New York City federal judge who sentenced Boot at the time, actually argues that the mandatory sentencing minimums forced her to sentence him much longer than she originally wanted to. Um, A quote from her in a recent interview said, he's done enough time, which is 11 years, by the way, for what he has done in this case. And it argues further on saying that he would be a great candidate for a prison swap because he already did his time here yeah i mean it's been 11 years i doubt any of his contacts that he had are still around or willing to work with him it's again it's all just political right i don't have a problem uh, yeah i know what he's done is certainly a lot worse and i know the name that you're going to get to here in a second and i definitely say that yeah we should say hey you know th- with the difference in crimes here you're going to have to give up both and let's talk about who that second person is so that's second person who actually that same judge argues for and as well as many other diplomatic experts is Paul Whelan and that is a former Marine who has been convicted of espionage and the goal would actually to be because the differences are so big between Griner and Boots that Paul Whelan should also actually be tacked 
on to the negotiation deal so that it's a more fair trade. Experts say that it's not impossible to get that done, but having some kind of trade like that will be extremely challenging to get done. The other big problem with this is that deals like this take extremely long time. We're not talking about days to weeks here. We're talking about many, many weeks to months, years, who knows how long it's going to actually be. So this is going to be a long, drawn-out process, especially with Russia. Yeah, there's really nothing else the government can do. No, they can't. So... So we'll see what ends up happening. Back home, Griner's coach of the Phoenix Mercury, Vanessa Nygaard, said that if it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? It's a statement about the value of women. It's a statement about the value of a black person. It's a statement about the value of a gay person. All of those things. We know it, so that's what hurts a little more. She does know LeBron's black, though, right? I'll just say, like, that part doesn't make sense (laughs) together with... Yeah, I know. So I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. I don't think that would be the actual It would be a much... uh, It would be a bigger story. Anyone that's hearing this that doesn't know this is going on and has never heard Brittany Griner before would certainly have heard it. It would be national news. It would be a huge deal. People would be tying ribbons on trees outside of their house. Like, that's all true. But the process wouldn't change Yeah, I mean, honestly, LeBron's own personal wealth would actually probably be the biggest difference in this in that he could promise officials a lot of money if he were to be set free as well as, you know, Nike would be working and and all of these corporations that have all of this money invested in LeBron James would also be working mm-hmm. on his behalf. So you would have all of that. Like, really, the, the corporations in America are much stronger than our government, to be perfectly honest. Right. And you'd have all of that pressure as well going to Russia. Like, look at what happened when the Ukraine war started and McDonald's pulled out of Russia. It was a big deal. Yep. And that's the th- those are the types of things that that could be leveraged if it was someone at at that high level and that's the problem w- between like if that if you hear this story and you want to do something and you you want this to not happen and you don't think that american athletes should have to play in russia the, the solution is to pay more attention to women's sports well right and this is where i mean i hate to put it this way but this is actually why i wanted to talk about this i am done with the crappy takes there done about this situation i am so sick of conservatives making fun of it making light of it mocking griner i i'm just done i i'm sick of the whole thing and i do have a couple of examples here so these are not just nobodies these are actually real people who have either ran for office or are doing something in influencing republican politics let's start with larry elder who ran for california governor very recently question when Brittany griner finally returns to america will she start standing for the national anthem asking for my friend colin kaepernick the Washington Free Beacon wrote an editorial about it saying, it's a sad story, but Greiner is hardly a political prisoner that Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris have made her out to be. And under no circumstances should the Democratic Party's identity politics allow a black lesbian millionaire athlete who broke the law in a foreign country to receive preferential treatment as she is already receiving over genuinely innocent hostages long left to rot in foreign prisons. Even if one were to leave aside the fact, which we simply cannot, that Griner clamored for the removal of the national anthem from WNBA games. Why is that relevant? That's her only value is how she reacts to the national anthem. Well, because literally, it's the whole dance monkey dance <laughs> crap. That's what it is. It's just nonsense, jingoism, nationalistic bullshit. 
that is forcing somebody to just be hated upon while they're sitting in a Russian prison. And like beating your chest about how you're an American patriot and you're perfectly fine with an American citizen being held hostage. Like your editorial is completely wrong. She's not a prisoner. She is a hostage. She is more innocent than the the Marine that we talked about as far as even if both of the things they're accused of are true, her crime is much less severe. Right. But the reason why she was arrested and is going to be convicted and will be serving a more than likely lengthy sentence is because that she is a well-known American athlete and can be used as a political pawn in the fight with the West over their invasion of Ukraine. Like, that's the reason. It's not hard. Someone like Larry Elder, who ran for governor of California, should know better. But he is an idiot. When you talk about, they want to talk about identity politics, this is the conservatives playing identity politics. Literally. And that again, that's what drives me so insane with this whole thing. And then, of course, I have to throw in because what hateful montage would it be without Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, recently motherless Donald Jr.? <laughs> Ah. He posted a meme with a picture of Brittany Griner saying, "Uh oh, I don't understand. My race card isn't working here in Russia. And then with a caption saying, if Trump was president, she would have been home six months ago. After an extended stay in Russia, I wonder if she still hates America. And granted, yes, he's a tor- he's a horrible, terrible, racist piece of right, crap. That right? is horrible and racist. But And also, she's lived in Russia for the past seven years during the seasons. It's not like she's never been in Russia before and doesn't understand what it's like i'm sure a lot of parts in russia especially if you have the money are uh, nicer than in america right but yes you should have to be stuck in a russian prison if you don't agree with the treatment of black people by the police in america that's and, that's the reasoning well and i want to ask you i mean i'm sure i kind of know what your thoughts are on this but just because i want to talk about like get it out but what are your thoughts on this whole notion of if you want to protest anything like the national anthem you hate america itself and this this very nationalistic way of viewing things where it's like if i protest things that our country is doing i hate the entire country and it's awful you know we're i'm seeing a lot of other things that i did not include in here which was like you know she only cares about america when it can come save her ass or something like that or you know she belittles the country that she supposedly loves so much and then when it's time for her need they have to come save her she's like a spoiled child and i'm just seeing constantly let her rot she hates the country let her rot she's not one of us crap what are your thoughts on this very tribalistic way of thinking what were don jr's thoughts about the january 6th attempted overthrow of the government um they liked america they're patriots i believe what are don jr's thoughts of president joe biden i think he hates america what are don jr's thoughts of president barack obama uh he definitely hates america so Don Jr. is not a I love America patriot when he doesn't agree with something either. But it's not having any ability to see that other people have opinions that are different than you. And just because you don't agree with them doesn't make their motivations and intentions different than yours, right? When Don Jr. criticizes the government, he's doing it because he wants to make it better. Right. When Brittany Griner is criticizing the government she's doing that because she hates america but i think there's also something to be said here because this is something that specifically conservatives and republicans do is that 
that they take it to this identity. Again, it's identity politics at the end of the day, where they will go so far as criticizing America makes you hate it. And you don't see Democrats and liberals saying they hate America. You only see Republicans and conservatives doing that. And I think it's because they have this weird nationalistic identity saying that if you're literally not a part of this very narrow view of what I think this country is, you are my enemy, even if you are a fellow American. And what scares me is that they have this mentality, and a lot of people do, even the people who probably don't even care about politics have this type of tribalistic mentality, will then also say, but we're the land of the free, you can do whatever you want, this is the greatest place on earth, I don't care what you are as long as you're a good person, you know, I will fight for you, you know, and stand up and whatever it is, uh, other bullcrap that they say. So they're as long as you hug the flag every kinda. chance you get. So they're literally trying to have their cake and eat it too. And that's where it concerns me because they have this weird way of shifting the over to the window constantly to the right by just pushing crap like this by using this identity-based way of thinking. Well, and she's not a person that matters to them. No, she's not. It's, I can spout my rhetoric and use her as a prop, and that's what she's good for. Don't really care what happens to her. Don't care if she dies in a Russian prison. It's just, I can post this meme on Truth Social, because I'm not allowed on Twitter anymore, because I'm such a hateful prick, and I can, uh, you know, get some some likes and some retruths or whatever they call them, and that's what it's good for. And then throw out some racist dog whistles on top of it. Well, and I don't want to forget the or dismiss the overall sexism and misogyny as well. All right. Well, yeah, she's also got that working for. Her. Not only is she black, is she gay, is she a woman? She is one of the left, right. according to them. I mean, they don't really know what her politics are. Well, but I'm talking like but. specifically. So I'm a sports fan. I follow lots of different types of sports. I follow the WNBA. I follow the NBA. I follow MLB, NFL, the whole fun stuff. And I follow a lot of those things on social media, like Facebook and Twitter as well. Same thing with like ESPN and all that fun stuff. Cool. Great. I always say, if you want a real look at how bad America is with its sexism and misogyny still today, go to ESPN's Facebook page and look at any single post about the WNBA and you will see nothing but super hateful, terrible comments about them. Well, as we're doing research for this show, look at any video talking about this case and look at the comments. It's horrible. Yeah, it's it's because they literally feel that women are inferior. These women are inferior to them. And so you have this idea that women are deserving of these things because they're just stupid and lesser than men. But then you also have the idea of racism as well because saying well she's a stupid black woman on top of that and she's a lesbian and she's a lesbian well and again it, she just embodies everything that these people resent with all their being because she breaks all of their norms and they also have no understanding of what this is about they're like they well but it's not even that they don't care no, well that's the thing though they're on videos that are describing the situation and saying that you know that she's just being used as a political pawn by the russians that it was traced amounts of liquid in her vape cartridge and you read the comments and it's like well that's what you get for trying to smuggle drugs into a foreign country like you commented on a video telling you the details of this story and then you just completely ignored them to push your nonsense argument yeah and it literally i've probably looked at a dozen videos and every single one of them i could not find any positive comment or any reasonable conversation about what's actually going on it was all that. 
It was all just people trying to, you know, put their one-liners out there, their dunks, and that was it. And that's social media. It's, I think it's destroyed any kind of reasonable interpretation of any news story in this country. And it's unfortunate. I mean, I definitely agree, but I'd also argue that... I used to love you, Internet. <laughs> I also argue that these same people would be just as bad without the Internet. Because for them, it's not even about dunking. It's literally about the inert resentment that they have for people like this. You know, I, I think back to... Because we see this happen all the time, but I think back to like the Dixie Chicks, right? When they um, protested. Uh, they said they hated uh, George Bush, yes. so I burned their album. Yes. So it, Now they're just the chicks, right? <laughs> There's some chicks. They're just there. It's this really weird, very dangerous cult mentality of, we're all Americans, but go screw yourself. I will be exactly who I think we should be, and if you're not this specifically, I will hate you, and you are against everything I identify with. And if you remember from what we talked about before with how people think politically, it's all about based on identity. And once you identify as something, it's so hard to break. And Americans are groomed, to steal their word, I guess, to feel this particular way of like insular tribalistic nationalism. USA. That other countries, yeah, USA. That only like places like Russia and North Korea. North Korea are like, yeah, good company there, right? Land of the freaking free. I'm a super proud patriot American, and that's why I back the Russian government against this American citizen. So I just, I wanted to talk about this because there's so much garbage and misinformation about this that we had to say something. A lot of it is just based on literal sexism, racism, and ways to demean people who are in the WNBA because they hate women athletes. It's bad. It's really bad. And this is another example of how bad it actually is for someone who isn't a straight white person in this country. And if you see people on your social media making fun of this, don't let it slide. Call them out because it's bad and it's just incorrect. Share this with them. I don't care. Do something and let them know that they're spreading literal propaganda and misinformation. Russian propaganda. Little Russian propaganda. You know, there was still a phrase that people like to use where if you're an unwitting pawn of someone else is doing, you're a useful idiot. Don't be a useful idiot. Don't let your friends and family be useful idiots. Fix the problem. I think we can change that to a Don Jr. Don't be a Don Jr. Don't be, no, I, let's just say Trump. Let's just don't, don't be a Trump because they're all useful idiots. Don't be a Trump. Well, Ivana's not anymore. <laughs> oh, no. One down. Oh, my God, no. We're ending it there. We're not going any further. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Last Tuesday, January 6th premiering. Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. It is last Tuesday. This Tuesday. This last Tuesday. <laughs> no, this Tuesday is the upcoming Tuesday. All right, I'll let you say it however you want. This last Tuesday, the January 6th committee. Damn it! Oh, I'm so happy with that. <laughs> you're too, you, you could, oh, so you could hear the smile in your I, voice. I know, right? The committee released a series of texts between Bat Parscale. Ah, Bat Parscale. Bad Parscale. Bat Parscale. Bad. I'm Bat Parscale. Bat Parscale.